BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. What's assassinating my John Liddens? Why? Why? Why, Sophie? Why did I say that? I don't know. Why would anyone say such a terrible thing? That's what I want to know. Robert, I'm I'm simply asking you why you would start like why? I don't know. Nobody knows, Sophie. That's the most important thing is that no one knows why things happen I or dis- where they happen. I disagree. Or who they happen to. But right. this is behind the bastards it is? podcast. Bad people tell you all about them. And uh, normally, this is a podcast where I read a story about a bad person to somebody who's coming in cold. But today. I am the person who is chilly, who is who is coming in frigid, frost on my shoulders as I talk to my good buddy, Chris. Chris, how are you doing? Doing okay. It is thundering incredibly ominously, which I feel like is a good Excellent. vibe for the story. Yes. Oh, ominous thunder. Nothing better. Turn up your mic pickup. Let's get some of that on the line. Yeah. It's like I can like feel stuff shaking a little bit. It's a it is a it is a pretty impressive thunder round. Yeah. That's good. Um, how are you? What are we? What are we? What are we? What are, what are we today? What are we talking well, about? Who are we? Where are we? Robert, we were told that after the war, the Nazis vanished without a trace. But battalions that is what of I know about Nazis, that they went away forever after the war. Still dream of a master race. The history uh-huh. books, they tell us of their defeat in 45. But Robert, why did they all come out of the woodwork on the day the Nazi died? Uh-oh. Now, okay, I've 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 done I've done my obligatory Chumbawamba, and so now I can answer you this actual question. You did. That was a good. That was a good Chumbawamba. I liked it. Thanks, Chris. I'm gonna have to throw a. I'm gonna have to wumba some Chumbas later on here, but I'll, I'll I'll let that be something that we build to. 
The funny thing is, my my favorite version of that song actually isn't the Chumbawamba version. It's the what was it? The like the Stockholm's Women's Anti-Fascist Choir did a version of it that rules. Very good. Oh, that does sound nice. Yes, it was, it, was, it, was, it was very exciting. And the other thing that's exciting is that uh, the answer to that question is that uh, it turns out after the day the Nazi died, uh, the Nazis came out of the woodwork and they all joined the World Anti-Communist League. Ah, and that is there the we go. There we go. <laughs> this oh, is the subject of today's yes. story. <laughs> yeah. Uh, these guys. Yes. Guys. Oh, bunch of real freaks and weirdos. Now, Excellent. Somewhat weirdly, uh, for a story that is about a lot of Nazis, we're actually not starting in Germany. The, the, the actual story oh, that's here. Fair. Yeah, well, I mean, one what, what of the sort of consistent themes of this entire episode is stuff happening around the orbit of the Soviet Union. And so the, the, I, I guess you could technically start the story in Ukraine, but I didn't do that. And instead, I'm starting it in China in the year 1923. And this is a year in which the Soviets are going to create a monster that will haunt them until the day the USSR collapses. And mm-hmm. that monster is called the KMT or the Chinese, the Chinese Nationalist Party. Mm. Now, okay, pe- pe- people who know the history of this are going to be like, Chris, have you lost your mind? What do you mean the Soviets created the KMT? And the answer is yes, I have lost my mind, but it is for reasons that are completely unrelated to this. What, what it's, it's for reasons that are related to the Daily Show we all agreed to do. Yeah, that. Yeah. And also also this episode. But yes, <laughs> yes the Daily Show. Um, I who what a good idea that was. I, I, I genuinely ass ca- idea. Love it. Cannot believe I was sober while I agreed to that. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> genuinely baffling decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm very so gra- happy we got multiple yeah. other people brought on to, was, to deal was, with yeah. that problem we created so for ourselves. Now than it was. I was going like, to say yeah. Robert and I were not sober when we agreed to that deal. <laughs> oh, I mean that explains a lot. I was sober last in 2009. So anyway, yeah. maybe 2010. Okay, yeah, that's 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 mm-hmm. pretty recent. So okay, so we've actually talked about this period. Uh, all the way back in the warlord, the episode about the Chinese warlord period that I did. Uh, um, so the, the Nationalist Party or the KMT is by, by Chinese standards, even in like, you know, 1923, they're, they're a pretty old political formation by Chinese standards. Um, it, it, it's founded in, in 1894 by Sun Yat-sen. But by, by 1923, oh, wow. I had no idea it went back that far. Yeah. Well, it, it's kind of weird. So it, it's it's. There are two different dates you see about it found. There's one date where Sun Yat-sen starts an organization and it joins another organization. But yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's, it's really like the oldest of the sort of continuous like Chinese revolutionary groups that come out of the sort of pre uh, overthrow of the Qing dynasty era. And, you know, it does a lot of stuff. They do a bunch of revolutions, but by 1923, they're just a disaster. They're, they're a complete mess. They're, they're an organizational mess. They're a political mess. Militarily is a mess. Financially is a mess. Like th- this is supposed to be like a mass political party, right? They're trying to take over all of China. They don't. They don't even have a newspaper. <laughs> it is. It, it is. This is. This is China's Democratic Party. Yeah. And the USSR, you know, ha- having failed in their attempt to sort of bring revolution to the West via like the Red Army storming through Eastern Europe, uh, the consequences of which we will get back to in a second. Uh, the USSR sort of turns its attention east, and Sun Yat-sen and the Bolsheviks come to an agreement in which the Soviets start sending advisors and weapons to arm the KMT in the war against the sort of Chinese warlords. And ch- chief among those people is a guy named uh, Mikhail Borodin. Actually, I don't know if it's Michael or Mikhail, 
probably it should, should have be Mikhail. Out. If they're Russian, you always say yeah, Michael is Mikhail. Yeah. Mikhail Borodin, who's he, he's like oh, he's yeah, a, that's a Russian ash name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's <laughs> he's he's a he's like a Mikhail Borodin. Yeah, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. He's like a, a, he's like the Bolshevik Bolshevik. Like he's a yeah. like very very old school like guy 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 who left the Bund and joined the Bolsheviks in like 1903. Yeah, he has this like impeccable sort of revolutionary credentials. Yeah, and, smelled linen's morning breath like that that close. Yeah, 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 and and he is about to make one of the worst mistakes the USSR has ever made, which is pretty impressive if you look at the history of the USSR. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> this yeah. Is, which so, includes the largest lake in the world that they killed. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's pretty remarkable, and like this one, it probably killed more people than than losing that lake, which is. Yeah, who, who, I, I look. I'm a big believer that like fuck lakes, fuck them all, kill every lake. I mean, look, hey, you, you too can become the Soviet Union. Wage, uh, wage, mm-hmm. wage a protracted people's war against lakes. Exactly. This, this is my opinion. When the revolution comes, the first thing we need to deal with is not the fascists. You know, it's not, not, not like control of the far right in in Florida or wherever. We got to nuke the Great Lakes. Not the cities. We got to nuke the lakes themselves. It's the only thing that's going to protect us. Sophie, no. I know I know what you're going to say, but I need you to listen to a song called The Wreck of the El- Edmund Fitzgerald by Gordon Lightfoot. And then tell me those lakes don't have some vengeance coming. We're not blowing up the lakes. We could. We shouldn't. We Our could. new slogan, a nuke for every lake. A nuke for every lake. Christopher, well, do, for not, all of the great do ones. not take his side. <laughs> mm-hmm. Fuck huh. them lakes. That is the Look. official stance of Cool Zone Media on the it Great Lakes. It Nuke is not. I like watching explosions. Nuke the lakes. Yeah, absolutely. They're it would great. be good for everybody. It'll bring yeah. in tourism to whatever cities people have on those fucking lakes. It'll be good for people. Sophie. Yeah. No. That's just science. Absolutely That's just not. mathematics. The, the, the spit is going on so long. Please, please okay, save sorry. us from this, Chris. <laughs> so speak, speak, speaking of saving uh, people from things, so... Borodin, with Sun Yat-sen's sort of help and approval, turns the KMT into like a modern mass political party with this sort of centralized organization and the centralized political apparatus. They get an actual like ideology. And as is going to become very important later on in the story, the party starts to develop political and ideological discipline. Um, and, and, and as part of this effort, the nationalists send Chiang Kai-shek to the USSR to study to Soviet military and ideological techniques. And when he comes back, they put him in charge of a sort of new Soviet-style military academy, from which he is going to build an absolutely enormous power base in the army because he's the guy who is now training all of the officers. But the, the Soviets are like, no, this is fine. They, 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 they call him the Red General, like Chinkashek, like shakes hands with Stalin, and everything seems to be going great, except there's, there's, there's one minor problem here. Uh, Chiang Kai-shek is not a communist. He is not a leftist at all. He's like, basically, he's a gangster who's like kind of nationalist. Now, the, the, the other thing that that's that's extremely bad about all of this is that Sun Yat-sen dies in 1925. And Chiang Kai-shek is pretty rapidly able to take control of the party. Now, now and the, the other thing that's happening here is that even by sort of Soviet standards, right? I mean, this is this is pre-Stalin, like fully taking control. So e- even by Soviet standards, the the. The, the, the new sort of KMT organization is incredibly centralized. And the person at the top of it has an enormous amount of political power. And so, you know, Chiang Kai-shek takes over the party, and he also sort of personally commands the loyalty of this new generation of officers who've been trained by the Soviets. He has a bunch of Soviet weapons. 
And, you know, the, the result of this is that he now has the best army of any Chinese political faction. And what, what has happened here is that the Soviets have, in essence, like they, they have built a party in their own image, right? They, they've built this party that's designed with this sort of like ruthless efficiency and stamping out kind of revolutionaries. And uh, they have handed it to a fanatical anti-communist drug lord who immediately turns around and uses it to massacre like the entire Chinese urban working class and the first mm. of his white terrors. Now, that seems bad for organizing. Yeah, it's, it's not good. And my, my, my favorite part, I, I think I told the story in the, in the last episode. My, my favorite part about this, though, is that like, OK, so Chiang Kai-shek is like killing the communists, right? It's like in 1927 and the, the communists are like, they, they, they go to the Soviet Union. They're like, hey, what should we do? And the Soviet Union is like, they're having some kind of like Trotsky and Stalin are having some kind of argument. And the line that comes out of them is like, well, uh, you guys have to like stay allied with this party that is murdering you. And it was just like, hmm. yeah, and then they all die, right? He, he yeah. kills something like a million people. Um, okay, so that's that's a pretty serious set of crimes against humanity there. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really bad, and this is this is like this is this is the Soviets doing great stuff. But you know, okay, so Chiang Kai Shek kills kills about a million people trying to wipe out the Chinese left. But we can we can ask ourselves another question, which is how did this actually go for Chiang Kai Shek in the long term? And this is a question that can be answered by answering the, the, the very simple question, Robert, who actually won the Chinese Civil War? Was it China? Technically? Mm-hmm. So it went well. Yeah, it went great. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. that, that's, this, is, this, is, this is why uh, Taiwan and China are currently one country run by the, uh, the, the Chinese National Party. By the same Party. government, yes. Yeah, well, yeah it's, it's great. I mean, if you listen to America for roughly a generation and a half, Taiwan is China and the only Chinese government that we need to worry about. Yeah, we, we will uh, we will come back to that because that that turns out to be a thing in this story. But, you know, so, so Chiang Kai-shek, like the, the, the net effect of Chiang Kai-shek's like incredibly vehement anti-communism is that he creates another monster who is going to absolutely destroy him. Uh, that, 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 that person, of course, being Mao Zedong. And. You know, when, when you sort of like take a kind of macro view of this, right, th- this whole thing is a cycle, right? The, the Bolsheviks are the monster that sort of capitalism unleashed when they crushed the Paris Commune. The Bolsheviks create the modern KMT and the KMT, you know, like slaughters the entire urban like Chinese Communist Party. And they, you know, they unleash another monster by turning the CCP into the sort of the peasant army that Mao is going to use to crush the KMT themselves after World War II. But, you know, the, 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 the problem here and the problem for this story is that Mao didn't actually finish off the KMT that, you know, they, they retreat to Taiwan after losing the civil war. And they're able to do this because in 1947, the KMT forces that were occupying Taiwan do what they call the February 28th incident. And it, it, it's kind of complicated. Uh, we will one day do a full thing on this, but the, the basics of it is there's an uprising in Taiwan against the sort of brutality of the KMT occupation. And the KMT kills something like 20,000 people in a week. And this is like, you know, this is a genuine horror, right? Like they're, they're beheading students. That is in the a street. lot of people to kill in a week. Yeah. I think yeah. I could kill maybe 5,000 people in a week. Yeah. I mean, with, it, you, you have with to the be, resources have to be, we have here at cool zone media. Yeah. Tops 5,000. I, I think, I, I think if we, I think you can do 5,000. I think if we pull everyone else together, we can get that number up to maybe seven. Yeah. We, we have a lot probably, of staff now. Yeah. We do have a lot of staff now. We have a lot of staff now. Sophie, can we, uh, can we get some of the numbers people to just, uh, to just run that by so we, we have some options on the table. Sure, Robert. Okay. Thank you, Sophie. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, so so the, the, you know the, the KMT is like the they're like cutting people like cutting parts of people's faces off and like <laughs> taking them. It's it's really bad. <laughs> right? It, this is like this is this is like this is basically like the foundational like crime of modern Taiwanese political history, and it's there's like a huge portion of like all of the politics that are going to happen in Taiwan from then until like now are in large part because of this. Um, and, and if you read books about Chiang Kai-shek, like, well, the book books that are not about Chiang Kai-shek, but where like Chiang Kai-shek shows up for some reason, uh, this is like the crime that they always talk about. And, you know, it is really bad, but the thing you have to understand about Chiang Kai-shek is that like, this is probably not even in, in his top 10 war crimes. Like, this is a man who once killed 400,000 civilians by blowing up a single dam. After the February 28th incident, Taiwan until like the 90s is under this thing, this thing called the White Terror, where, you know, the government disappears, a bunch of people, they kill a bunch of people, they torture a bunch of people. But the thing is, again, this is his second White Terror, right? Man. And, yeah. and you know, that's only- something he and I have in common, because that's what people <laughs> call me when I've had a couple too many. Can you tell me that much, huh? You know, actually, I I feel like I feel like I should actually have looked into Chiang Kai-shek's drug use more because this guy, this guy is running a lot of drugs. But, you know, but the, the thing about these white terrors, right, is that like, OK, the 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 white terror that he does in Taiwan is like a genuine horror, right? It's it's also he kills something like a 25th of the people that the first white terror killed. Like, well, that's, this guy, that's good. So he's moving in the right direction. A couple more terrors hey! and he won't be killing anybody at all. <laughs> Well, I mean, the, the, thing, the, the thing that Chiang Kai-shek does, we're going to see in the story, is that he stops... Okay, he doesn't stop killing people in Taiwan, but, like, the number of people he kills in Taiwan go down over time. The number that's of people good. he so, kills... okay, that's pro- progress. Yeah, this is sort of yeah. a win. But the number of people he kills in every other country just starts, like, rapidly increasing as time well, goes on. Yeah, I mean, you got... You, look, you're going to kill the people somewhere, so... I feel like still progress... Yeah, we're 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 only gonna do a a we're gonna do a a, a soft white terror in Taiwan, and we're gonna do a uh, hard white terror in Guatemala. So you know, and and like I, I think the thing with Chiang Kai-shek, right, is the reason he's not remembered as one of the sort of like great historic world historical monsters. Like again, this is a guy like killing twenty thousand people in a week is like Tuesday for Chiang Kai-shek, and like the only reason he's not remembered as this sort of like monster is that he's overshadowed once again by like the sort of. The, the 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 trio quad thing of Mao, Stalin, Hitler, and Churchill. Yeah, there's a lot of people doing, like, he killed a million people, and that's that, that's pretty good numbers any other I year. I mean, he's but probably like, got, like, yeah, I mean, he's probably got, like, million. three or four million, yeah. yeah. Which, and that's solid, like, look, yeah. don't, don't get me wrong, solid numbers, historically, like, if you're, if you're three, four million dead, pretty good. You're doing real good as a war criminal on a historic level. But man, first half of the 20th century, yeah. that shit doesn't even get you on the board. No, like, you're like you're like a, you're like a C-lister. It's you, you, the, the LeBron Jameses of genocide are out in the streets in those yeah. days. And there's there's a lot of them like this fucking Scotty Pippen ass mass murder ain't going to cut it. How was yeah, that, well, Sophie? Was that was that a good basketball? I mean, it depends on who you're asking, but yes. Mm-hmm. Thank um, you. Acceptable, but de- but very subjective. Mm-hmm. I approve. Scotty Pippen was the only other basketball pay- player I could think of. <laughs> <laughs> I, I assume he's not as good as LeBron James. <laughs> uh, I mean, he would say he is, but. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yep, so would Chiang Kai-shek, but sorry, bro. <laughs> I mean, look, the, the thing with Chiang Kai-shek is that Chiang Kai-shek has the ability to shoot you if you don't agree with him. I, I, I don't think Scotty Pippen has the ability to sort of like mobilize an entire death squad apparatus to make everyone think that uh, he's better than LeBron James. No, no. The, the only basketball player who had a solid death squad apparatus was, of course, Shaq. Are we just going to see how many basketball players you can, how was, how you was can that? remember? I how liked that, it. Sophie? I mean, it also, Thank you. once again, Thank did you. work. Thank you. I recently watched the new Adam Sandler basketball movie, so I'm I'm I'm, I'm very fluent. knowledgeable yeah. about basketball. What was funny about that, Sophie, is like every third second in that movie, somebody comes on screen, and you, I can tell whenever they come on that, like, oh, that's a famous basketball guy, and I'm supposed to have a reaction to the fact that he's in this movie too, <laughs> but it means nothing to me every time. <laughs> yeah, you didn't have me there to be like, that's who that is, and you're going, I don't mm-hmm. care, and then that's Blamisma, blah 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, he's the best. Touchdown. Go Patriots. You were doing so well. It's okay. <laughs> so, also, that's hey, look. Yeah, don't ever say that in front of Chris, by the way. Mm-hmm. Chris yeah, really true. hates I, the I Patriots. I will go back to my Taiwanese roots and Kavita Death Squad over yes. this. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you knew this about Chris, but Chris really fucking hates the Patriots. Well, guess no one's going to be doing a hole in one. I don't know. Wow. Brave. We're, we're, let's get back to the story. Yep. <laughs> so Chiang Kai-shek in a lot of ways is he, he is incredibly ahead of his time. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so, okay. The, you, you can talk at sort of the, like the periods of anti-communism, right? And, you know, he, he, he has this problem that he, he's working in, he's working in a period of anti-communism in which the Nazis exist. And, you know, yep. while, while, while the Nazis are around, the Nazis are sort of like the top dog of anti-communism. Although Chiang Kai-shek was allied with the Nazis. And he, like sure. his son was in the Weimar, was in the Weimar, and he he almost led like a he almost led like not a division, but he almost led like troops into Poland. And the only reason he didn't was that he got pulled back to uh, Taiwan to like fight off the Japanese. Yeah, but you know, yeah, I mean, this is one of those one of the eras of Nazi history that people don't get enough, which is that like while Nazis are pretty much tied directly into like white supremacist shit today. The OG Nazis were extremely willing to work with people who who were of a, from a variety of different like ethnic groups, uh, and including yeah. fight with them. There was an Indian and Pakistani uh, military unit in the SS because uh, again, racism changes over time, like everything else, and innovates. Yeah, I mean, like the, 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 I've talked about this before, but like, yeah, the, there were there were Nazi military advisors like leading Chinese troops yeah. in the Battle of Shanghai, and it's it's very weird. Um, but you know, Ch- Chiang Kai-shek, like, he loses this war, but but he he really has the the, the prototype for the the sort of second phase of anti-communism, which is that if you look at the KMT, right, he it, it has an incredibly centralized party ideological party apparatus. It has a bunch of death squads, um, and is funding itself as an anti-communist dictatorship via the drug trade. So he he is doing he is like forty years ahead of everyone who who is doing anti-communism, and. So what two two of the uh, the, the two journalists whose book I'm going to be using for a lot of this uh, Scott and John Lee Anderson uh, they're they're two journalists who grew up in Taiwan under the military dictatorship and they they call this model of anti communist party the Death Squad Party for uh, reasons that we will see shortly and yeah they're they're, they're they are they are going to spend a lot of time exporting this to other places now what's sort of interesting is that Chiang Kai Shek was like hated by like every American officer who had to interact with him during World War II. Which, like, yeah, yeah, no, no shit. Like, yeah, me too, buddy. I also hate this guy, but I'm admittedly biased because his government tried to publicly execute one of my great uncles. 
Okay, well, what was your great uncle doing, though? How was he dressed? Uh, he was dressed pretty well. He... There, well, there, there's, well, there there's, there's a long story. There's a long story about what exactly happened there, but and he he did, he did in fact survive. That's However, good. I'm still holding it against him for trying to publicly execute him. Yeah, yeah, but but you know it's weird. So while the Civil War is going on and during World War II, everyone hates him. But the moment yeah. he loses the Civil War, he becomes the cause celeb of what's called the China Lobby in the U.S., where these like hardline anti-communists whose things that they they, they want to like help Chiang Kai-shek in his just incredible delusion that one day he's going to like invade China again and retake the homeland. Like, and like he, like the, the government in Taiwan made my mom who was like five sing songs about how they were, they were going to reclaim the motherland one day. It was just oh, good. Yeah. I, this place is like, like it is a, a just sort of incredibly neurotic, like sort of totalitarian military dictatorship. Yeah, I feel, I mean, first off, squad goals. Um, but yeah, that, 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 that sounds like it could be a problem to live under. Yeah, and, but you know, and of, of course, but like the people who backed him, of course, are uh, the, the best and brightest of the people in American politics. You have uh, Douglas MacArthur. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's uh, a good one, right? This is, this is fresh after he attempted to start a nuclear war in yep. order to distract yep. from the fact that he had completely fucked the war in Korea. Yep. Uh, he, uh, uh, there's, there's another, another very famous person you probably know, uh, Joseph McCarthy, better known for other works. Yeah. Oh God. Of course. Yeah. Joe McCarthy, slick Joe known for great guy. Nothing bad. Yeah. Nothing, yeah. Great. And, and, and so, so the, the KMT and their American allies start like looking for other sort of like fanatical anti-communists to like enlist their cause. And this search eventually leads them to the formation of the world anti-communist league. Um, one of the people who they find is Park Chung-hee, who is the, mil- well, okay, he's the second military dictator of South Korea, and I, I keep saying we're going to do an episode about him one day, and I promise oh we will, but there's, he's There's weird- so much wild ass, especially in this period, Korean history, that people yeah, in, this in guy, the United States don't know fuck all about. It's yeah, really good, real good shit. <laughs> this guy, like, th- this is a guy who, so he, he fought for the Japanese in World War II. And okay, so yeah. like th- there are a lot of Japanese people who who were forced, who were, like conscripted into fighting the Japanese army. Sure, it was a military like, yeah, dictatorship. Yeah. yeah, that's the way it yeah. goes. Uh, Park Chung Hee mm-hmm. is not one of those guys. He fought for the Japanese Empire because he loved like like I uh, from from pure ideology. He was like he looked at the Japanese Empire and was like, oh shit, I love this. And you know, like he is he is incredibly fascist. Like this is the guy who Nobusuke Kishi talked to after the war and was like, whoa, buddy, you got to tone the fascism shit down a little bit, like. It's 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 wild and and you know but like like just okay utterly inexplicably this is this is the second like second communist decision in this episode that I'm just like what are you guys doing they they the communists let him join the communist party and this is like, baffling to me right like here is a dude who literally fought for the Japanese on purpose and you know the communist party looks at him and goes like uh, what should we do with him boss I know let's let him in the party and so he like immediately gets arrested and just instantly like the, the the fastest ratting i've ever seen in my entire life just like rats on his comrades to the government which oh, like yeah. like okay so I, I i i am in principle against snitching i i also like really don't understand what the communists were expecting was going to happen here like you you brought in a guy who fought for the japanese army on purpose of course he was instantly going to betray you like really <laughs> I, 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 baffling stuff yeah the, the, i mean the the, the korean communists 
But so in 1961, he coups the government and he's the guy who like really fully brings Korea on board with this whole sort of like world anti-communist league thing. He starts sending like generals and like KCIA guys to the league. Um, the Moonies are also a big part of this. I, I'm not going to talk oh. about them here because yeah, uh, we have go, talked go about listen the Moonies a lot. Yeah. Go listen to a lot and then make your own electronically fired blunderbuss. Um, yeah. That's, that's the official stance of this show. I, I look, I just, they, they deserve it. <laughs> so the, the, the other major group that that's involved in the creation of the world anti-communist league is called the anti-Bolshevik Bloc of nations or the ABN. And the ABN are a bunch of people who they're, they're united by like two things. Uh, one is that they really hate the Soviets. The second thing they're united by is that they did the Holocaust. Okay. So, well, that's bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the, the ABN was, was founded by a guy named Yaroslav Stetsko, who, I, I think if, if if you've been like looking into Ukrainian history in the last like you know year, you probably you might know who this guy is. He he's the guy who was chosen by Stefan Bandera to be the second in command of the oh, newly formed uh, organization of Ukrainian nationalists. I'm uh, glad it, that didn't wind up going anywhere. Oh yeah, no. It, it, look, it completely stalled out. Uh, they, yep. they 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 never ended up uh, Things fighting. Are- fine <laughs> everything's great look like they 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 did not end up fighting for the nazis during operation barbarossa uh he stetsuko does not walk into uh the city of lvov alongside a bunch of guys from the weimark um and immediately start doing the holocaust uh none of this ever happened uh they didn't kill seven thousand people in like i think i think a week most most of whom were Jewish. i mean honestly compared to kai shek numbers that's that's rookie yeah, well, I mean, it's weird because, like, okay, so, like, in, in any other group of people, like, this guy is, you know, a world historical monster. He's kind of on the B team in terms of, like, the people in this episode, maybe the yeah. C team. So, the, the thing that he does is, so, he, he, he gets into Lvov and he immediately declares, like, a new independent, like, Ukrainian state with him as a leader. And I'm just going to read from the speech that he gave um, when he was declaring this independent Ukrainian state. The Ukrainian state will will closely cooperate with great national socialist Germany, which under the leadership of Adolf Hitler will create a new order in Europe and throughout the world. The Ukrainian army will fight together with the allied German army for the new order in the world. Well, it didn't quite happen. Um, so that's yeah. good. He, but, well, uh, yeah. I mean, well, yeah, it doesn't happen for two reasons. One is that the Nazis lose. Two is that he instantly gets arrested because the Nazis were like, hey, you guys didn't tell us that you were going to declare an independent state. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we do not. We don't, we don't want there to be a Ukraine. Yeah, no. <laughs> this, and, and this is something we're in agreement with the Russians about, actually. Yeah. We don't and, want this country to exist. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 you know, so, so he gets thrown in prison. And Stetsuko, like, Tesco, like after after the war, he will claim that like he was put in a concentration camp and the Nazis like persecuted him. And like this is kind of true, but like okay, so the thing the thing that they put him under is called quote honorary arrest. Yeah, and he's like he's in like the nice prison, and they they, they let him out like a few times like during this while this is going on, so he can coordinate more stuff. And in 1944, they let him out just like entirely because the war is going so badly. They were like screw it, let's throw the Ukrainians at the at the Russians. And he, he and Bandera form this thing called the, U- the Ukrainian Insurgent Army, which fights the Red Army. And they also do some, like, incredibly half-assed fighting of the Nazis, which was, like, largely, as best I could tell, this largely seems to be so they could, like, say that we fought the Nazis. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to read a, a, a passage here from the book, Transnational Anti-Communism in the Cold War, about what happened next. At the end of 1943, in the forest of, oh god, I don't know how to pronounce this, Jotomir... Gazalia, the west part of U- western part of Ukraine. These same Ukrainian nationalists held the first clandestine congress of the anti-Bolshevik bloc of nations, the ABN, 
creating at the same time the Ukrainian National Army, the UPA. The UPA then took part in attacks on the retreating Weimark while at the same time harassing the Red Army, the communist partisans, and Jewish citizens due to their suspected communist sympathies. The UPA, consisting of around 70,000 guerrillas, were joined by fragments of the SS's Ukraine, Belarusian, Russian, and Kozak battalions, as well as Hungarian, Romanian, Soviet, Baltic, and Georgian deserters. Now, the, the author is being, like, a bit too kind to the UPA here. Uh, the main reason that they are, quote, her, that they, quote, harass Jewish citizens is because, like, an enormous number of these are just, people are just, like, fanatical anti-Semites. But th- this is the birth of the anti-Bolshevik bloc of nations. Um, and again, like, Stetsko, this, this is a guy who fought for the Nazis. Uh, he probably has the lowest body count of the next, like, four groups I'm going to talk about. Um... Also in the, the anti-Bolshevik bloc of nations, something called the Croatian Liberation Movement. Um, the Croatian Liberation Movement was led by a guy named Stefan Heffer, who formed it alongside Ante Pavlovic, who is uh, the founder of the Ustasha. Now, the Ustasha are a, they're, they're a Croatian fascist organization that fought alongside the Nazis and were given control of a new sort of Croatian fascist puppet state with Anton Pavlovic as, as its leader. Um, here, here's from the Holocaust Museum about what happened next at a concentration camp called Chidosovic. Oh, I, I, I did learn how to pronounce it, and then I immediately forgot. Yeah. Like Look, there's a lot of concentration camps. Yeah, well, th- th- this, is, this is the third largest camp in Europe. Um, so b- between its, this is the, yeah, this is from the, the Holocaust Museum. Between its establishment in 1941 and its evacuation in April 1945, Croat authorities murdered hundreds of thousands of people at Chidosovic. Among the victims were between 45,000 and 52,000 Serbian residents of the so-called independent state of Croatia, between 12,000 and 20,000 Jews, between 15,000 and 20,000 Roma, between 5,000 and 12,000 ethnic Croats and Muslims who were political opponents of the regime. The Croat authorities murdered between 320,000 and 340,000 ethnic Serb residents of Croatia and Bosnia during the period of Ustasha rule. More than 30,000 Croatian Jews were killed either in Croatia or at Auschwitz. And to put this into perspective, that is over 75% of like all Croatian Jews who are killed by the Usasha during the Holocaust. And the, the thing about this camp is that like, unlike the rest of the concentration camps in Europe, they don't have gas chambers. They are, they are doing all of these killings by hand. And it's not just that they're doing this by hand. Um, I'm I'm going to read this uh, uh, thing from the Jerusalem. Yeah, I mean Post. that's yeah, that's the fucking Isasha. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the late Jasa Alemani, who served as uh, as president of the Belgrade Jewish community, described Jasevic as barbaric, saying that the murders were predominantly carried out manually. Very seldom did they use bullets. He said because they believed the victims didn't merit it. Almuni described some of the Ustashi's methods, which included cutting the eyes out of their victims and slitting their throats, throwing live prisoners into brick furnaces, and poisoning children. And, you know, we've talked a lot about, on this show about how the Nazis, like, were trying to execute Jews by firing squad, and they couldn't psychologically handle it. And, that, you know, that's why they have the gas chambers. Uh, the Ustashi can do this. Yeah. Like, they, they keep doing this through the entire war. Yeah, the, the there's, I mean, one of the... Th- Many stories about the Holocaust that isn't told enough is that, like, the actual German uh, SS were not nearly the most brutal war criminals on the Nazi side. Um, the Ustashi is fucking nightmare people. And, uh, there's, yeah. th- like, if you look at what's happening in the fucking Balkans during this period of time, like, yeah. what's going down and what becomes Serbia and Bosnia, and how the genocides are being conducted there by Nazi allies, like, 
it's a lot of the same thing, which is like, oh, we'll just we'll just strangle people. We'll just cut their yeah. heads off by the thousands. Like we don't need to waste bullets on this shit. We don't need gas chambers. Like the the ver- as is often the case in wars, like the nastiest fucking shit happens in these these places like the Balkans and chunks of Eastern Europe that um and with soldiers from those areas where like there's there's already when the war hits kind of a heightened level of acceptance of violence just because of shit in the recent past and like the 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 most nightmare stories come from a lot of those those places kind of on the fringes of the Nazi power. Yeah, and like like these like you slash like it gets to a point where like there 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 is there are like there are instances where like the Nazis disband their units because they like what they're doing and they're like, hey guys, like yeah. you're a bit far. Well, here. I mean there's a thing a number of things, because like again, it's bad for morale. Like Nazis Nazis are complaining about what some of these units are doing. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. This isn't what soldiers do, right? Um, is the attitude some folks have like it's 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 a mess. Um, yeah, and so Stefan Heifer, who who he's going to become an important world anti-communist leader and a member of the sort of anti-Bolshevik block of nations. He's, he uh, seems he, like a good guy. He he was the governor general of uh, Baranja County when the, in the new Nazi uh, Croatian state. And yeah. uh, Anton Pavlovich, who's again the founder of the Ustashi, is the found one of the founders of the Croatian Liberation Movement, which is the Croatian representative at the ABN. It's great. Um, cool. Yeah. Do, yeah, do, do, you know, do you know these guys went on to have yeah, careers? It's great. Do, it's do you good. know what Look. else is great, Robert? Is it products and services, Chris? Yeah, because it's let me tell you, services. confusingly, we are sponsored by the Ustashi. Um, I, a lot of people will say, why are you sp- sponsored by the Ustashi? And I'll say, you should check out their promo code. How are we doing, Sophie? No words. No word. I've got nothing. Not, not, I got not happy about that. that. No, nothing? I just got okay. that. I got right. nothing. Well, that just, that happened. Here's ads. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Hey guys, LeVar Arrington here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer. Making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck. Like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design. The Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma 
delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go play. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. Oh, yes. All right. So, m- meanwhile, the, the Romanian delegation of, of the, the, the ABN is a bunch of people from the Iron Guard, who is a, uh, a Romanian fascist organization that uh, did this during a fascist uprising in 1941. A mob of several hundred attacked the Sephardic Temple, American correspondent Lay White reported at the time, smashing its windows with stones and battering down its doors with lengths of timber. All mm. objects of ritual prayer books, shaws, Talmuds, Torahs, altar benches, and tapestries were carried outside and piled into a heap, which is soaked in gasoline and set afire. A number of Jewish pedestrians were herded together and forced to dance in a circle around the bonfire. When they dropped in exhaustion, they were doused in gasoline and burned alive. And I, I cut that description off. It gets way worse after that. <laughs> like, Yeah, if, if doused in gasoline and burned alive is like... That's the, that's the, mild the stuff. ramp up. Yeah, it's that's like, before we it, really put our foot on the gas. It gets like they are. I, all I will say about that is they are incredibly they are incredibly specific in how they use their anti-Semitism to kill people. It's like it's it's stuff you couldn't it's stuff you couldn't write a serial killer doing because yeah and and th- th- this is this is uh this is the romanian delegation to the abn uh belarus's delegate uh delegation is called the belarusian liberation movements its representative is a guy named dmitry kazmovich who was appointed by the nazis as the chief of police of smolnesk where he exterminated jews and communists Smolensk. yeah Smolensk. yeah yeah and he, he also joined an ss commando unit to fight the soviets and was eventually smuggled out of a refugee camp by british intelligence and worked for the american army Oh, good. It's great. And, and yeah, he, he also, he founded this entire thing as a way to spy on the Soviets for the U S. And at this point we should mention that like this entire, like just literal group of people who did the Holocaust is funded by both the U S and the UK. Um, the ABN is like all over American politics. Like they, they successfully lobbied the U S to doing into doing this thing that like, I'm pretty sure by the time this comes out, Biden will have also done his version of it, which is called a captive nation week. Which is like all presidents still do this to this day. It's supposed to be this thing that like honors nations held captive by authoritarian governments. Oh, and that's nice. It's the it's the it's the political equivalent of the like slapping a drowning hand meme. There you go, yeah. Kurds. <laughs> well, and, and I, I also like I, I really want to like just take a moment to appreciate that the United States government, which is a state that literally holds hundreds of indigenous nations captive and occupies their land. Declares Captain Nations when? Week uh, <laughs> since the 1600s. Hmm. Hmm. And, that and, doesn't it, sound like the America I learned about in Texas. Yeah, no. 
And again, like they, they do this because because some dipshits from the Ustashi told them 70 years ago. Well, it's I'm great. glad that our honor of captive nations is the honor of the captive nations of, of racists in particular. That's good. Yeah. That's, that's it's, it's, good. It's, it's, all, it's also fun because if you look at the declarations of this, the only states that are like ever mentioned are states that can be like somehow vaguely tied to communism. So like, yeah. you know, they'll talk about like, we need to free oh, the I people Oh, I bet these guys Cuba. had a fucking hard on for Rhodesia. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And like, like even, even Biden, Biden released like his statement last year. It talks about like, it talks about like Nicaragua, it talks about like Cuba, it literally no mention whatsoever of Saudi Arabia, which again, in, 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 in my lifetime has invaded what, at least two, possibly three countries on top that of just being Saudi like Arabia. Saudi Arabia that, that doesn't sound like the country that Joe Biden would fist bump. Come yeah, on. No. So the, the ABN starts working. I am now imagining Joe Biden fist bumping a new Stashi militant. That's, I, that's good. Yeah. I, Reagan got pretty close. Yeah. Like Ra- Reagan, no, Reagan did get close. Like, Ra- Reagan did get quo- close. Um, I, 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 I don't know. Biden's a 50 50 on that shit. The only thing he's consistently good on is hating the British, which I do true. respect. I, I, do I do respect that about appreciate this. <laughs> so the, the, the ABN starts talking with Chiang Kai-shek through a bunch of contacts and they, they, they help train Taiwan secret police. And they also help set up radio free Asia, which is incredibly fun. Um, now, now, contact between the ABN and the Taiwanese government leads to a 1966 meeting of Chiang Kai-shek's Asian People's Anti-Communist League in Seoul, South Korea, with mm-hmm. representatives of sort of the, the whole global anti-communist movement comes together to do something. And 170 representatives from 60 nations show up. And what's interesting about this Jesus first, Christ. like, what's it, the interesting thing here is this isn't all fascist. The, the very first meeting where they're trying to figure out who, what is going to happen, who's going to be in this. There's like there are like social democrats who show up to this. There are like yeah, sure, regular conservatives, and all of these people immediately get run out. Um, mm-hmm. there, there's there's this group called the Assembly of Captive European Na- Nations who like they're not like great people, but they also like didn't literally well actually can't verify they didn't literally do the Holocaust, but they are they aren't literally the, the leaders of the Ustashi, and yeah, they try yeah. to become like <laughs> not yeah. not literally running a group so bad that the SS was occasionally like, oh guys, yeah, like <laughs> might need to pump them brakes. <laughs> the, 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 the bar for anti-communism is like mm-hmm. like the, the 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 bar of like how bad you have to be for the anti-communist not to accept you is like yeah really 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 low. And like these people keep tripping over it, and yeah, you know, and these guys are like, you know, they're, 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 like, they, they, I they cannot, try to, I cannot emphasize enough that the dudes we're talking about are quite literally people that like Heinrich Himmler would read reports about what they were doing and need to have a stiff drink. <laughs> yeah, like it's and and these guys, you know, so so the, the the sort of moderates try to become the delegations from Eastern Europe, and the ABN just like runs them out because the ABN's already like tight with the Taiwanese, and the Taiwanese are you know one of the major sort of power blocks here. And the, the result of this is that, you know, from, from the formative meeting of the World Anti-Communist League, this is just going to be a fascist organization. And, you know, OK, so we've now met two of the three sort of main power blocks in the World Anti-Communist League, right? There's the, there's the East Asian bloc centered around Taiwan and South Korea. And they also they have support from like South Vietnam and like Singapore and the Philippines. But yeah, the, 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 the core there is sort of Taiwan and South Korea. There's there's the ABN fascists in Europe who are, again, the Ustasi and the Iron Guard and like their people. And now it's time to meet group number three. Uh, this is the Latin American Anti-Communist Confederation, or CAL. Um, CAL is originally a front group for a group called Los Tecos, who are a, a fascist death squad from the Autonomous University of Guadalajara. Oh, um, Mexican fascists. Oh, yeah. Well, these guys are yeah. great. Uh, 
So, so the, 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 the modern iteration of Tecos was founded by a guy named Carlos Cuestra Gallardo, who was a Mexican Nazi who was doing something in Berlin during World War II. We don't know what. There are oh, various rumors, uh, some of them including him like being part of the, of the group who like decides in the final solution. Like, we don't know. There's, there's rumors he was Hitler's secretary. Like, it's very unclear. He's doing something Aww, to support the Nazis. Hitler. I, he's, uh, you know, woke Hitler hiring, hiring people from all backgrounds. You yeah. Yeah. Well, I, look, if, if these we, guys we are Stan and, uh, integration focused King. Yeah. 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 All, all you have to do is be like, uh, so unfathomably anti-Semitic that like even the other anti-Semites eventually are like, you guys are too mm-hmm. much. You can't say this out loud. Like, and, and so, so he, he survives the war and he goes back to Mexico to help and help establish this like network of like fascist Mexican priests who hide people from like the iron guard and other like fascist collaborators. And these guys oh, are like, boy. they're like, yeah, breathtakingly these are, anti-Semitic. There's the, yeah. There's like the liberation theology priests. And then there's oh, who they start killing opposites. very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, yeah. and these guys are like, like they're convinced that the UN is a Jewish conspiracy. They like, they rave constantly oh, about yeah, Marxist, that- the Zionists and the Freemasons. And they also think that Vatican II, where the church taxed like a bit to the left, is a good enough reason to just literally start killing Catholic priests, even though, again, all of these people are Catholics. A bit to the left, all they did was change the fucking liturgy to be in English. Like, yeah, like or not it was English, a little like, bit not Latin. Like, yeah. yeah, it was like, like this is, this is, all these people just go like, like mm-hmm. there's an entire group, like, this is, yeah. there's a lot of like Francoists who like sort of go ape, like, it's just like, yeah, just, just lose their that minds. That is one this. of my favorite things about Catholicism is when you get like these Vatican II conspiracies where the church is literally like, well, our religion's dying because nobody understands what the fuck is going on in these in these uh, in in services and stuff. Perhaps we could slightly modernize it so that people these can guys, understand what's being said. These guys think the Pope is Jewish. They literally mm-hmm. think this. It is classic like, Jewish person, the Pope. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's, like it's this whole thing. And it, so the, the techos are like they're a death squad, right? They they kill people, yeah, yeah, they yeah. kill students. Um, and the the league comes to them and are like, hey, you guys are anti-Semites. You guys are death squads. Like, go find other anti-communist death squads in Latin America and recruit them so we can talk to them. And they do. Like, the, these guys are literally, they're, they're football talent scouts, but for death squads. Well, that's and, good. I mean, yeah, yeah. look, you know how I feel about death squads, Chris. Um, if you're not getting the good, t- like, somewhere out there is the LeBron James of killing a lot of people and pushing their bodies into a crudely dug pit. And if you don't find him, you know, another death squad's going to get him. And then you're not going to win the Sophie. What is the basketball award for good at basketball? MVP. Yeah, you're not going to win the MVP. So. Yeah, look, you got it. Well, the other, the other thing, again, is this is very important, right? Robert's because, so proud of himself. You don't. The smirk he's giving <laughs> Thank is you. so cool. <laughs> Thank you, Sophie. It's about time you took an interest in one of my hobbies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm learning. It's Robert. a real Heisman Trophy day for the death squad people. No. Oh, wow. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm going to turn this to a baseball metaphor, which is that, okay, so the other thing that's happening here, right, is that you, you, ha- you have to build up your roster, right? And you have to, you have to, you have to build up, sure. your, you have to build up your sort of like your, your minor league system. You have to do this so that you can train other death squads. And these guys are about to become the fucking 90s Mariners of building up death squads. They have, they have a bullpen so deep they can fucking like, they, mm-hmm. they, they can, they, they can kick out literal Hall of Fame power hitters because they don't need more hitting. They have so many death squads. And, Who's the Wade Boggs of death squads in this period? By which I mean, who is drinking 70 beers on a flight from, I don't know, Stockholm to Smolensk? 
Oh, uh, what is this guy named Jomo? Oh God, well, I can't remember his yeah, last name. Yeah, 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 I yeah. It's that, that yeah. guy who hilariously kind of isn't going to come up. And there, there's a lot of people who did a lot of assassinations who are in the who are in the league who we're not going to talk about because they're like just D-listers. Yes, yeah. <laughs> there's so many. So the, the thing about the CAL is that they they're very quietly one of the most important organizations in the history of, of the Latin American Cold War, and almost nobody's ever heard of them. But one of the things that they do is in 1973, so the, 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 these meetings, right, you get a bunch of death squads showing up to it and you get a bunch of countries like sending their intelligence services to these meetings to go like talk about with other countries and tell like right wing anti-communist intelligence services. And at, in one of these meetings in 1973, the dictatorships of Brazil and Paraguay agreed to exchange information and sort of like coordinate security measures to the CIL. Now, Paraguay at this point is ruled by uh, Alfredo Strassner who is one of the, the World Anti-Communist League's biggest supporters, the man, like, th- this guy, like, personally hosts several World Anti-Communist League conferences. Um, he also, like, he, he, he sold eight-year-olds into sex slavery. Um, he, like, the, the worst thing that he does is, he does this, this genocide against the indigenous Ache population. Um, I'm going to read from the Washington Post in 1977. And, by the way, when, when I read this thing, you have to understand, this, this is from 1977. There are like 20 more years of the genocide that are going to happen after this. Quote, 50% of the Ache population living in Paraguay since in 1968 have since disappeared. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty bad. Yeah. And, you know, where did they go? Well, okay, they got raped, tortured, and murdered by settlers who were doing a genocide to take their land. There are like, there are these Ache hunters whose job is literally to go out and kidnap Ache people and like force them to live on these like reservations quote unquote on their farms like they're doing slave raids or selling children they're forcing that people seems to like slavery. somebody should stop that Chris. yeah like, no that one ever like does somebody should, should no deal one with ever that. does like th- this okay. this goes on this goes on oh, for the like the good. entire 30 years of like the strassner dictatorship okay and now now in 1973 strassner starts coordinating his police suppression with the brazilian dictatorship through the cal um the next year the cal's coordinating council meets in rio de janeiro um the, the coordinating council, there's representatives, has representatives from Argentina, Bolivia, Brazil, Chile, Colombia, El Salvador, Guatemala, Mexico, Paraguay, Uruguay, and also there's a bunch of Cuban exiles. Um, okay, so, you know, what, what are they doing there? Um, this is from the book Predatory States. The purpose of the meeting was to receive information and to exchange experiences concerning communists and pro-communists in order to adapt methods that could be applied throughout the continent. It was important because one of the main resolutions sought to establish a system to exchange confidential information among member nations. Now, people who know your sort of like Cold War Latin American history are starting to perk up right now because if you studied like this stuff, that list sounds really familiar and it should be. Uh, There's a couple of allies thrown into the list, but that is the those are the countries that are involved in Operation Condor. And that meeting of, of the World Anti-Communist League's Latin American affiliate, the CAL, was uh, one of the first steps towards setting up the Condor system. Uh, the next year, there, there's a, like a, I guess you call it a more official meeting, but there's a meeting of intelligence services um, from Argentina, Bolivia, Brazil, Chile, Paraguay, and Uruguay to sort of expand cooperation further. And, you know, th- this turns into Condor. So, all right, what, what, what is Operation Condor? Um, the, the last two quotes that I sort of pulled are from this book called, the, called Predatory States, Operation Condor and Covert War in Latin America. It's, it's a very good book. I recommend people read it. Um, it, was, it was written by a Long Island University political science professor named J. Pratice McSherry. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to like use the intro that she uses to this, which is uh, describing what happened to a guy named Martin Almada 
who's the guy who writes the foreword to the book, just to like to give you a sense of like what this stuff actually looks like. In 1974, Mar- Martin Almada was dragged out of his house in Paraguay in the middle of the night by our friend Alfredo Strassner, after which he was tortured for 30 days for, quote, intellectual terrorism. Oh. And in- intellectual terrorism, well, so they, they bring him in and they're trying to figure out what he did, right? And the only thing this guy did was he was like a leader in a teacher's union and he was like using the, the teaching methods of Pablo Fieri. Mm-hmm. And so for this, they, uh, they torture him. They force his wife to listen to his screams over the phone for 10 days. And then they told her that uh, he'd been killed at which point his wife dies from a heart attack. Oh, and yeah, I like that. No, I like that story. Yeah. And, I don't like and, that story at all. And the other thing that's interesting about, okay. So in some sense, right? Like this is just, this is a thing that military dictatorships do. But <laughs> those wacky military dictatorships all. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you know, like normally when you get kidnapped by a dictatorship, right? There's a bunch of soldiers and like spooks from your country. Right. When this guy That's gets always captured, been my experience when I've been kidnapped by a military dictatorship. Yeah. So yeah. Tell it's, it's one, it's one, you know, it's a dictatorship in one country, but, but it, when, mm-hmm. when this guy gets kidnapped, there's military attaches from Argentina, from Brazil, from Bolivia, from Chile and from Uruguay. And Eventually, Amada gets released from prison after like this giant hunger strike and this huge Amnesty International campaign. And he starts trying to figure out what the fuck happened to him. And it turns out that uh, Martin Amada and his wife have become very early victims of Operation Condor. Oh, they're ground trailblazers. Yeah. And, and do, you, do you know who else were victims of Operation Condor? No um, one. The products and services that support this podcast? Exactly zero <laughs> of those. They, they almost certainly the all support this. That's who supports our podcast. Man, if if only the if only the Ustashi had been the target of Operation Condor, mm-hmm. ah, we would all live in a better world. No, no, but instead they're 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 big into the podcast game, and uh, you know there are major backers of the island where will let you hunt children for uh, for for sport and for food. Yeah, and for food, it's unethical just to hunt kids for trophies. You know, gotta cook them. Mmm. Risk it. Oh, God. The, the um what? was on net. I Sophie, was, that's I, what the ad, that's the ad. <laughs> I'm just reading the ad as it was sent to us by the <laughs> and the Ustashi people, okay? It's the promo code mmm with how many M's? Mmm, mmm, mmm. Good. That's at least nine M's. Yeah. Okay. Here's the ads. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- National Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. 
Hey guys, LeVar Arrington here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck, like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design. The Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before or check out the fully redesigned tacoma delivering trail dominating power and captivating style the new tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true and with new available tech this legendary truck is getting even better and when you buy a toyota truck you buy toyota dependability meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future so visit your local toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com toyota let's go places. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. Oh, boy, we're back. You know, I'm, I'm not going to Robert. No, no segue. I'm immediately just going to read a description of yeah, how Condor Don't worked. ever do that voice again. That was uncomfortable. Please continue. Sophie. No, Sophie. No, Sophie. No, Sophie. No, Sophie. Sophie. Hated it. Hi. Hi. Hello. What's up? How are you? Good. You? How's, how's it going? Great. Chris, Good take times. over, please. The Condor system consisted of three levels. The first mm-hmm. was mutual cooperation among military intelligence services to coordinate political surveillance of targeted dissidents and exchange intelligence information. The second was covert action, a form of offensive unconventional warfare in which the role of the predator remains concealed. Multinational Condor squadrons carried out covert cross-border operations to detain, disappear, exiles, and transfer them to their countries of origin where most disappeared permanently. Third and most secret level was Condor's assassination capability, known as Phase 3. Under Phase 3, special teams of assassins from member countries were formed to travel worldwide to eliminate subversive enemies. Phase 3 was aimed at political leaders especially feared for their potential to mobilize world opinion or organize broad opposition to the military states. So, what Condor is, right, is a bunch of countries, it's Chile, Paraguay, Argentina, Bolivia, Brazil, Ecuador, and later Peru, uh, working together to form just, like, multinational death squads and using them to, like, they they have these death squads and kidnapping teams, and they use them to target, like, internal enemies and subversives who, it turns out, is just literally anyone who doesn't support the government. Um, I'm going to read a quote from an operative of DINA, which is Pinochet's uh, National Intelligence Directorate, which is, like, they're like the secret police, but also the CIA. Oh, good. They're they're great, and by great, yeah, they, I mean they, they sound uh, like cool guys. Yeah, right. one Dina operative explained Dina's strategy as follows: First, the aim was to stop terrorism. Then, possible extremists were targeted, and later, those who might be converted into extremists. Similar language is used in 1977 by Argentine General Iberico Saint Jean when he said. First, we kill all the subversives, then we kill all their collaborators, then their sympathizers, then all those who remain indifferent. Ah, um, 
Maybe take notes on that, people who remain indifferent. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to kill you too. Like, unless you are an active supporter of the regime and also you never piss anyone off ever somehow miraculously, uh, they're going to kill you too. It's great. And and so th- this this works on two levels. Um, on the one side, there's like there's these internal purges, right, which which are aided by intelligence from other condor countries. So, for example, in in 1976, the Argentinian army like stages a coup and takes control of the country. And they start what's known as the Dirty War, in which the government disappears 30,000 people who become known as Desaparecidos. Uh, one of the uh, fun tactics of the Argentinian army and their death squads was to keep pregnant women alive just long enough to force them to have their babies and then kill them and steal the babies, which... Okay, that doesn't sound like good behavior. Sure. Yeah, and, and, and I, you know, okay, all of these guys are right-wing Catholics, and I, I'm not even going to bother spelling out the comparison to fourth bursters in the U.S. I, I will leave that metaphor as an exercise for the listener. And th- these killings were done, like, par- partly they're done directly by the state, and partly they're done by state-supported death squads. In Argentina, that death squad is called uh, the Argentine Anti-Communist Alliance, or AAA. Uh, here, here's McSherry oh, again. Oh, is it the same AAA that helps me when I need my car tow? Yes. You know, I, 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 okay. I genuinely can't tell. I, 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 think, I think the quote I'm about to read, they're, they're making a AAA joke, but I'm not entirely sure. I'm going to say yes, just based on the long lines that you have to stand in that place. I, I buy it. Mm-hmm. In, in, in November 1973, the AAA detonated a bomb in the car of Senator Kipilato Yrigoyen. That's a, that, that's a gnarly name of this the union civica radical which is hilariously a a moderate party um the first claimed terror its first claimed terrorist attack the senator was severely wounded he was the victim of another bomb in 1975 and was tortured and interrogated by army officers in that year they told him quote you want to know about the triple a well we're the triple a we put the bomb in your car oh well that's nice of them to say so yeah um, it's also worth noting, so the the, the AAA, they, they get kind of absorbed into the Argentinian military, but they kind of still operate under under the... It, it, it's, I don't know. They're, 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 they, they, after the military coup in 76, they're more inside the state than they are outside of it. But they also uh, host a 1980 meeting of the CIL in Buenos Aires after they were sort of semi-absorbed. They're also heavily involved in the One Anti-Communist League, and we're, we're going to come back to that 1980 meeting because it also was very important, but that, that'll be for next episode. Uh, for now, we should talk about like how Condor actually worked a bit more. Um, McSherry describes it as a, as a parastatal organization in that it, it's technically inside or tied to the state, but it operates completely in secret. And it, it, it has, it has, a, it has, you know, it has a unified command structure that involves operatives from, you know, intelligence services from the military, there's cops, there's right wing civilians and paramilitaries. But again, like the, the secrecy of this means that other, even other parts of the military don't know that they exist. Um, as we've seen with AAA, Condor makes use of paramilitary, sometimes like folding them directly in the chain of command. Sometimes they just like con- basically do contract killings out to other like fascist paramilitaries. Um, and the, 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 their whole command structure remains entirely unregistered. It, it is by its very nature outside of the sort of bounds of the state bureaucracy. Everything is unmarked, untagged, secret, or black ops. Its officers are commissioned literally as special agents. It operates as a sort of like a, a secret parallel state alongside the official state. And, and I want to pause here for a second to, to, to think about the extent to which American and British pop culture is entirely centered around valorizing this stuff. Like pop culture is completely obsessed with secret agents. We have, there's 25 Bond movies. There, there are five different Call of Duty Black Ops games, right? Like the, the, the last Black Ops game is literally you working for Ronald Reagan to do stuff for the CIA. And 
But it's like, okay, if you think about what this stuff is, right? All of this Black Ops stuff, it, it's it's this, you know, you look you look you look at the sort of purest expression of it in Latin America. It's just that it's literally just this this tyrannical parallel state whose job it is to kill subversives. And it, it it's the Death Squad machine. And it's like this is our entire pop culture is about making everyone think the Death Squad machine is cool. Well, but the Death Squad machine is drunk all the time. And that's pretty neat. Yeah, but here's the thing. I, 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 I went I went to university and I th- and I therefore I, I therefore know that you can be drunk all the time without being a death squad. Mm. Uh, we we had very different college experiences, but <laughs> that's a story for another day, am I right? Hey. I mean, admittedly, we are on our like third college paramilitary in this episode, so that's right. That's yeah. right. Just like how don't do it. John Sportsman You were doing basketball. so well. We were so <laughs> proud of you. Yeah, it was like four for four. Touchback, first down. No. Three pointer. Oh no. Nailed it. Nailed it. Uh-huh. So all right, we we now have a picture. We we have we have a, a incredibly lackluster picture of the nature of uh basketball. We have a better picture of the internal structure of Condor. But the thing is, Condor is a multinational operation, and a huge part of it is doing what the modern CIA would call extraordinary renditions. And this means that they're just like kidnapping dissidents who, for example, fled from Chile to Paraguay, and then you, you bring them back to Chile, and then you torture and execute them. And as this program, you know, goes on, they start they start assassinating people like all over the world. And these people, you know, they're not just getting murdered, right? They're getting horribly tortured. The, the, the bodies that people find are like heavily mutilated. They're stab wounds. They're heavily burned. Um, the, the Argentinian classic is just dropping people both dead and alive out of helicopters. And well, at least they're not discriminating between dead or alive. That's true. Everybody gets dropped out of a helicopter. That's equality. Yeah. And you know, and the other thing is they're not just killing like completely random, like nobody or like, you know, incredibly minor activists. They're killing people who are like very high profile and very famous. Like in 1976, they killed the former president of Bolivia, Juan Jose Torres in Buenos Aires. Um, and, you know, one of the favorite tactics that they use for sort of getting away with this stuff is that they'll kill a bunch of people and then blame, blame it on the left murdering each other. But, like, that's not actually enough to cover up uh, we killed the president of Bolivia. Well, we killed the president of Italy, too, but nobody has a problem with that. Uh, we're going to oh, we will we will get to that. Actually, we I, I, I will mention it and then pointedly not explain it next episode. That's <laughs> because... good. That's good. You want to learn fair, more about the assassination of the fucking prime minister of Italy? Just listen to Alex Jones's show the next time Steve Kuznick yeah, yeah. is back on because yeah, he's you, the one who did it. You can hear from an actual. Well, to, okay, okay. To Frequent be fair, Infowars contributor, the guy who killed the prime minister. To, to of be Italy. fair, to be fair. All right, there are a lot of people who are involved in killing the prime minister. We cannot right, give right. Steve Bachanek the whole credit it's for a that. Team role. The KGB Look, was involved. It's not just magic and Biggie, Tom. Cruz, someone who was who was else on the team? Sophie, are you trying to make a, a Magic Johnson, Larry Bird reference right now? That's the one, Larry Bird, Lawrence Bird. To be fair, I'm okay it, with you fucking up his name. Magic Johnson and Larry Flint. Um, again, two again, heroes. Very huh? okay with you fucking up his name. Go for it, That's, Tom. Whatever you uh, want. Good. All right. Back to the game. So okay, you know the, it, it is incredible. Like it, it is so obvious that like. People that like there's something going on here that's assassinating people that like even reg- even journalists are just starting to write articles that are like, yeah, there's probably something going on here. And so, Robert, you might be asking yourself, 
what is the United States, the champion of democracy and human rights, and the leader of the free world, doing about a bunch of death squads murdering anyone who doesn't actively support a military dictatorship? And the answer is, uh, okay, sometimes they, they write a few strongly worded letters. They, they, they do this like twice. They write a few strongly worded letters. Mostly they do nothing. And then uh, the other part of the time, they're actively helping them do it. So to, to get a sense of like the level of impunity that Condor had from the U.S. government, um, the political counselor of, of the U.S. embassy in Ecuador, in, sorry, in Uruguay, you know, did the right thing for once. And he, 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 he and a, so basically they figure out that a Brazilian labor leader is about to be like kidnapped and assassinated by these guys. And he helps this guy escape. And in retaliation, a bunch of dudes in ski masks uh, grabbed him off the street and broke every vertebrae in his neck and back. And again, this guy works for the U.S. Embassy, and they broke every single vertebrae in his neck and upper back. And the U.S. does nothing. In in well, 1970, yeah, what would you, what would you expect us to do? <laughs> you know, I, you know, you know. Okay, so like every once in a while, you'll do. What, what are the things that happens with the Rand Contra right? That they they like kind of they accidentally get a, a DEA agent killed. And after that, the U.S. just goes like absolute ape shit. Like, it's just like, okay, but th- this guy is an embassy guy. You'd think that like, if you kill, if you like, like almost kill a guy from your embassy, like something would happen. But like, no, no, it doesn't happen at all. Absolutely not. Yeah. And, and, and you know, speaking of the government doing nothing in, in 1976, agents of uh, the Chilean National Intelligence Directorate working with uh, right wing Cuban exiles from the CIL, a uh, car bomb and man named Orlando Lettier in Washington, D.C., um, Lydia had been the socialist foreign minister under Allende, and he's this like implacable foe of Pinochet. And the Chileans are like, "Yeah, we'll just kill him." And so, you know, they they do it right. They just they 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 kill him in the, like literally in Washington D.C. with a car bomb. And the guy who does it is a, a, a an American Dina operative named Michael Townley, and he serves five years in prison and then gets FBI witness protection. Oh wow! So. There are there are an enormous number of people in this country who have served more time in prison for literally having weed than this guy is serving for doing a car bomb assassination in Washington D.C. Yeah, and, that seems yeah. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's great, and in this this is like during the Carter administration. Do it, nothing happens, just nothing. I think it's during the Carter. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, seventy six. Yeah, and and the reason they don't they don't do anything is twofold. One is that the CIA is systematically lying under oath to Congress about whether it like what it knew about Condor. And the other reason is that the U.S. is actively helping them. Um, There's two channels of this. One is that there's good evidence that the the CIA actively helped the Chilean government kidnap and murder multiple American citizens. But it's actually much worse than that because uh, so Condor as as a sort of network is running off of this encrypted American telecommunication network and and equipment that is based in the Panama Canal Zone. Now, Robert, uh, I'm going to I'm going to ask you, what was the U.S. government running in the Panama Canal Zone in the 1970s? Um, they were just helping boats, you know, they love boats. We we're big boat people, America, and we like to keep them moving. That was yeah, fine. What, what, what was the other thing we were running there? Uh, just boats. Just Mostly boats. Just boats. Yeah, just boats. There was a, there was a guy named Manuel Noriega who was famous because he was good at boats. Yeah. Uh, uh, we, we all, we all, we also, not, we also, not cocaine, just boats. We also have a very famous boating school there called the School of the America. It trains That's a great Olympic place athletes. to learn how to boat. If you want to learn how to be on a boat, school of the because it's the school of how to like take your boat across the Americas. That's why they call it the School of the Americas. Yeah, all of the Americas is for boats. Yeah. So. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, that's right, baby. It's the School of the Americas. We're, we're doing the School of the Americas again. And it turns out 
that uh, I'm, I'm going to just going to read this from predatory states as one military graduate of, of the school of America's put it, the school was always a friend for other special operations, covert operations. So they're using the school of the Americas as cover to run a covert assassination network that's going to kill like an incredible number of people, including multiple U.S. citizens, uh, some of whom were killed on American soil. It's great. Yeah, that's like, uh, I don't know what that's like. Something basketball. You know, and, and that, that's, that, that's, that's, that's just where thumbs on, on, on down that, from Sophie on that one, <laughs> on, on that terrible basketball metaphor. That's just, that's where we're going to leave it today with the world okay. anti-communist league. Uh, having helped spawn and carry out Operation Condor alongside their friends, the CIA. Well, if your friend is the CIA, you yeah. can find the rest of our shows on the internet. At cool Zone Media. On. You know what? Actually, here's a little, we should do a little bit of house cleaning here because folks have been yelling about this on a couple of different things. Go for it. Um, is uh, uh, So people are always like, Hey, there's some weird edit thing or there's some clip or something is wrong here. And I, I have to tell you all right now, none of that has to do with us. It has to do with like whatever fucking weird ass app you're using. And usually, and and usually it's Spotify. <laughs> yeah, it's, Spotify, it's Spotify or it's fucking Podcast Republic or like Podfucker or whatever goddamn bespoke ass pod app you <laughs> motherfuckers use. Um, just fucking use an RSS feed. Anyway, whatever. People are weird. Um, I don't know what to tell them, um, but th- there's really nothing nothing particularly that that we can do i can, like the, i can the, give you the, here's some how advice. podcasts work can i give what? some advice yes yeah, if you notice that your thing is being funky on spotify delete it refresh your feed re-download yes. it if the episode sounds fucked up instead of hopping online and assuming that it's it's us hop onto your phone delete it re-download it and it'll probably be fine because here's the thing this show gets downloaded like 10 million times a month on like a thousand different goddamn apps. And like that just introduces a lot of different ways for things to get all fucky in weird ways. And we, we, we do our best with quality control, but we have no control over like podcast come guzzler or whatever app you like to use. Um, so, you know, try redownloading the show before you yell at Sophie on the internet about how um, the the pod podomy app that was sodomy and pod that I mixed together. I liked it. Uh, is it isn't working right? Okay, it's it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I do love it when people are like, "Hey, do you know why your podcasts are fucked up?" And then they'll just like name some app I've never heard of, and it's like, I don't know. Maybe it's because you're using some weird goddamn <laughs> app I've never heard of to download a fucking <laughs> podcast. <laughs> What do you want from us? <laughs> we yeah. can't, we can't, we, we don't even know how many apps are out there people are using to download our fucking shows. And everyone is like, my audio is skipping. Yeah, that's Spotify. Mm-hmm. You can't see it, but I'm smiling on the outside while dying on the inside like a winner. Speaking mm-hmm. of winners, Chris, where can people follow you? Uh, you can find me at itmechr3 on Twitter. Uh, yeah, that's it. Don't look for me anywhere else. You won't find me. Yeah. Uh, and look for me behind you whenever you feel afraid, because that's where I'll be, stealing your wallet. I'm ending it on that. <laughs> <laughs> behind the Bastards is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or 
Check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Let's go places. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com.